welcome to the Atmosphere Church Podcast. On behalf of all of us here at Atmosphere, thank you for downloading or streaming this message. We pray that it will touch your heart and change your life. Regardless of what you believe, where you come from, or what questions you might have, you are welcome here. Our desire is to help lead you in experiencing God by following Jesus. If you want to find out more information about us, head over to our website at atmosphere.church. We have already prayed for you that today's message would speak directly to your heart and empower you to live the life that God has called you to live. Enjoy the message. As you saw in that video, we are in a teaching series called Airplane Mode, and some of you know uh, what airplane mode is because you have an iPhone, and if you swipe up on your iPhone, there's that little icon, and it comes in handy, especially when you're flying because you know the uh, the airplane companies don't want you to be on your phone when you're you know on takeoff, you're landing. Maybe there's something in the phone that interrupts the uh, the instrument panel on the airplane, and so they want to make sure that your uh, flight is safe. But I believe there is a neat side benefit of airplane mode is that it allows you to kind of quiet down all the noise that your cell phone tends to give you. And it seems as though in the pandemic, the noise from our phones have went up exponentially. How many feel that besides me? It just feels like there's so much noise out there. And so we wanted to take a series and look at the importance of prayer and to see how much God wants us to kind of quiet our lives down so that we can really be in tune with what he's doing and where he's taking us in our lives. I, I don't know how many of you do this like I do. Uh, my family just, uh, they, they laugh at me because if we're somewhere together and I don't know where we're at or where we're going and and, uh, you know, the radio's on. My wife and kids, they love listening to the radio in the car really loud. And then they try to talk. I'm like, if you're going to talk, let's turn the radio down. Or let's turn the radio up and talk. But they like to do both. And so our car is really noisy all the time. And, and that's fine most of the time. But if I'm somewhere and I don't know where we're going, I don't know how to get there. It's a new spot for me. What will happen is I will tell them, hey, you guys got to stop talking, and I'll turn the radio off. I know it's a weird thing I do, but I feel like I can get to where we need to go better if it's quiet. Am I the only one that does that? Like, if, if, like I thank you, a few of you. I'm like, I've, no, no, it's got to be quiet. I believe prayer is that ability to get quiet, to really push out the noise that possibly is frustrating us and confusing us and making us unaware of the place that God is wanting us to go. And so we've been looking at specifically the Lord's Prayer. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to the Gospel of Matthew this morning. We're going to look at the end of the Lord's Prayer this morning in Matthew chapter 6. We've been looking at Luke 11. It's the other portion of Scripture where you can find the Lord's Prayer. Some of you, and it's, it's the Lord's Prayer. It's the most famous prayer ever prayed. It's a, it's a prayer that Jesus prayed. I, I want to just highlight the fact that in, in the Lord's Prayer, you know, some of us are so familiar with it. We have it recited. How many re learned it by memory when you were little? You learned that. Yeah, a lot of you guys. Wow. So it's a prayer that is so common to us that it tends to kind of lose 
its power when we read it. Because now when we read it, we can almost read it like it's a Hallmark card. You just read it. You just kind of, you, you could even like, because we've memorized it as, as little kids, we could say it, but our mind is actually in and out burger thinking about the double-double that we're going to eat after church is over. You know what I'm saying? It's like, that's not the intention. When Jesus prayed this prayer, when the disciples said, hey, Jesus, we've connected the dots here. There's something about your prayer life that we don't have in our prayer life. And we want you to teach us how to pray like that. They all knew how to pray, but they didn't know how to pray like he prayed. That when he prayed, like heaven moved for him. Lives were changed. Miracles took place. And they said, we want to learn how to pray like that. And that's when he started telling them, well, pray like this. And I really believe this isn't given to us as a prayer to memorize and recite. And if you did, I think it's great. But I don't think that was the intention. I believe Jesus, what he's doing here, is he's given us an outline how to pray powerful and effective prayers. And so what we see in the Lord's Prayer is like bullet points. We see subject lines that he's given us saying, say, when you pray, I want you to cover these things. And the first thing he talks about is, is this relationship. Our Father, who's in heaven, Hallowed be your name. There's this relationship that Jesus wants us to focus on, that he's not a faraway God. He's a close God. And this was historic. Like, nobody has ever prayed like that, saying, Our Father. Then he says, I want you to pray, Lord, let your kingdom come. Let your will be done. And give us this day, our daily bread. This is a, a partnership that God is looking for, where we're praying for us to be able to partner with him, and then he partners with us as a partnership. And then last week, we talked about this idea, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. Man, I hit a nerve on that one. I probably received more feedback on the talk on forgiveness than I've received on a lot of talks that I've given lately. So we may have to circle that one back again uh, and do a series maybe just on forgiveness. But I think it's super powerful to recognize that, that Jesus is saying, when you pray, talk to God about this idea of, of forgiveness. And then this last part, this is our final talk on this subject called airplane mode, and that is deliverance. Deliverance. And, and I know it sounds like a thrash metal band from the 90s. It actually is. Uh, deliverance. Bah, 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 bah. You know, it is, it is a band, but this is more of the, the final bullet point in the prayer. And we're at verse 13. And let me pray this. Father, as we have this time in your word as we finish up this talk on your prayer, God, that you told us to pray and to pray powerfully and effectively. Teach us. Teach us the, the, the power and the effectiveness of, of praying this part of the prayer, this, this part of deliverance. So lead us and guide us through this time. Speak to our hearts in Jesus' name. And everyone said, amen. amen. Okay, let's jump in verse 13, Matthew 6. It says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Or your translation might read the evil one. Now, I want to break this line down into, into two different points. Because they're really two different points in one sentence. And the first one is this. And do not lead us into temptation. Now, if you're new to faith, if maybe you didn't memorize this prayer as a little 
kid, or maybe you did and you always thought that was kind of weird, why would, why would we pray for God not to lead us into temptation? Would he actually, in fact, lead us into temptation? Now, there's some, there's some kind of different opinions floating around out there about the significance of what this part of this sentence really means. Pope Francis, he had kind of a, a news story last year when he kind of gathered the whole Catholic ministry together and he said, I, I really want to relook at this and, and rephrase the, this part of the Lord's Prayer because he, he started looking at the Greek language and the Aramaic language and, and he started looking at this and looking at the history and he started to see that it would probably be best to kind of rephrase this so it helps people understand better the significance of what it is. Now, again, I, I'm not saying that you have to side with me on this opinion, but I will say that biblically, I believe there is a great argument for this particular saying that he's talking about to be true. And this is how he says that, that really, literally, it should be translated. Do not allow me to be led into temptation. Do not allow me to be led into temptation. Now, I don't know about you, but that, that lands with me. And I've been following Jesus for many decades now. And I know that temptation is real, but temptation isn't sent to me by God. That's unbiblical. James chapter 1, verses 13 through 15, kind of gives us the causation of temptation. It says, let no one say when he is tempted, I'm being tempted by God. There it is. For God cannot be tempted by evil, and he himself does not tempt anyone. But each one is tempted when he is carried away or led and enticed by his own lust. Then when lust has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And when sin is accomplished, it brings forth death. We talked a little bit about that last week. So here's James saying, I want to go on record to say... The one that is leading us into temptation is our own carnal impulses that are leading us, these lusts that, that we all seem to deal with and struggle with. He goes, that's the culprit. So it, it kind of lands with me to say, hey, when we're praying, we're asking for God's help to say, if I could say it another way, God, help me to not go down the wrong road where there is a trap waiting for me. Because God sees the trap. We may not see it. But the evil one has went ahead of us and he set some, some traps along the roadway of life. And so it makes sense to me that when we're praying, we're saying, God, you see the schemes of the evil one against my life. And so I'm praying that you help me not be led down that road. Or if I can speak grocery store vocabulary with you, don't lead me down that aisle. Has anyone ever been guilty of going to the grocery store hungry before? And isn't it interesting that they put the essential groceries at the back of the store typically? And, and typically, you have to go through the ice cream aisle to get to where you need to go, right? How, how many of you have went in to grab, I don't know, some bread, and you've left with a couple of quarts of ice cream, 
right? How many of you have went into the grocery store to, I don't know, to, to get some milk and you left with a bag of Oreos? <laughs> Come on. The grocery stores know our weaknesses and they know that if they just put this essential item in the back, we're going to be tempted as we go down these aisles. So I've learned something as I've gotten older that if I really don't want to give in to the spirit of Oreo or the spirit of ice cream, I just go down the fruit aisle. And, you know, it's like, hey, if I, if I grab some apples, that's actually good for me. So I'm going to go down the produce aisle instead of the ice cream aisle. See, this is the prayer to say, God, prevent me from going down the wrong road or the wrong aisle where I could potentially get sabotaged in the plans and the purposes that you have for my life. Doesn't that seem like a good prayer to pray? And here's, here's the good news, is God helps us in this area. And see, sometimes we don't even know our own weaknesses. And when you start praying for God to help you in these areas of temptation, man, he helps you on these things. Because it's, I mean, it's a, it's a terrible feeling to know that you've turned down a wrong road in your life, isn't it? I don't know how many of you have ever had that happen to you in real life where you meant to go a certain direction and then you made a wrong turn and you ended up in a place you thought you would never end up at. I'll never forget as a young adult, we had a conference in LA. Mind you, I was raised, I was born and raised in Bakersfield. I wasn't very familiar with LA. My family didn't go to LA a lot and I certainly haven't driven in LA very often. And so this conference was in LA. We were all in our early 20s. I was dating Tara, my wife at the time, and we had some friends that were all going to this conference. So we pack into my car and we head to LA with this instruction. The conference and the hotel that we're at is off of 4th Street. So just go to LA, it's off of 4th Street and, and, and you'll find it in the name of the hotels, you know, whatever. And, and so I was like, it seems simple enough. I said, so is it like right off the freeway? They said, it's right off the freeway. What this person failed to tell me, and it was a detail that was very important, is that the conference was not necessarily in Los Angeles. It was in Anaheim in the Los Angeles area. So for Bakersfield people, anything pretty much south of Magic Mountain is LA, all the way down to San Diego. That's like, hey, you're going to LA. That could be like Orange County, whatever. So this person is telling me, hey, it's in LA, and you, you can't miss it, 4th Street in Los Angeles. So I, here I am, young adult, never really driven to LA. All of my car is full of young adults, and we're driving, we're having fun, we're just goofing around, and oh, 4th Street. So we turn off, and I quickly discover that 4th Street in LA is not the same as 4th Street in Anaheim. And I'm driving down 4th Street. I don't know if this is East LA or whatever, but it's a very different neighborhood. I'll just, I'll just say that. It's a very different neighborhood. Uh, a lot of bars on the windows, a lot of people mingling in the intersection. And we're driving, and there was, there was this tension in my car that was just a while ago. We were laughing, and all of a sudden, everybody, like deer in the headlights, looking out the windows going, we have turned down the wrong street. I don't know if you've ever been there. It was at night. Here we are, young adults, and we're just like praying through it. Now, mind you, this is a time, no cell phones. So we still, we, we have to go to a telephone booth. So we have to call this person who gave us these directions and say, where are we? And, and, and so we pull over, we go to this gas station. There's a telephone booth in a neighborhood that was very questionable. And so we get out of our car. Everyone's praying for me not to be murdered. And I go to the telephone booth. And I'm not even kidding you. The telephone is literally cut in half. Somebody took a saw and cut the phone in half. 
I'm going, this is not happening. You know, I'm, I know my murder is around the corner. This is a movie plot. I'm in a movie. And fortunately, I got back in the car. We, we, we survived. I don't know. Um, but we came to a, another telephone booth. I'm on the phone with this person going, I'm on 4th Street. I can't find this hotel. He's like, you are, you are on the wrong 4th Street. Get out of that neighborhood. Go down further. It's in Anaheim. I go, well, next time, tell me there's a difference of Los Angeles in Anaheim. So I will tell you, in those moments where you know that you're going down the wrong road, it's very scary. And you feel as though you're just a few steps away from seeing everything that you've counted as precious and valuable to your life being taken away from you just like that. You see, that, that's, that's the pull of temptation to get you to go down a wrong road for your life. So not only do you go down the right road where God wants to let you move into the plan and purpose and promise that he has for your life, but, but you actually work the opposite where things begin to get sabotaged for your life and for your family, for your career, for your money. And, and I know too many stories personally of guys that were in a great position in life and because they turned down the wrong road, precious things in their life were taken from them overnight. People that I used to serve and help out at the Las Vegas Rescue Mission that looked pretty normal, I would talk to them and find out their story and they ended up at a homeless shelter because of a couple poor decisions where they went down the wrong road in their life. That's the scary part of temptation. So it makes sense to me that as we're circling up with God in prayer to know that there is an evil one plotting and scheming to come against your life and to move you down a wrong road so that he can sabotage you. He can sabotage everything about your life, including your family. So as you pray this prayer, I want you to know there's three things that are going to take place that you need to pay attention to as, as a person that is learning how to pray powerful and effective prayers. When you pray this I want you to be prepared for this. Number one is you listen to the warning buzzer. So you say, God, help me not to go down the wrong road. See, what happens is the Spirit of God that is moving on the inside of you will begin giving you an alarm system when you're heading down the wrong direction, where it's unavoidable. You feel it. Another way of saying this is conviction. You just feel this overwhelming conviction like, this isn't right. I shouldn't do this. And, and as a believer, as a follower of Jesus, you start paying attention to that tension and, and you learn that like, whoa, this is beyond just me just saying this isn't good for me, that, that God is trying to get a hold of me to say, don't go there. Avoid that aisle. Avoid that street. That's not good for you. And you potentially are looking at sabotage in your future if you go down that way. The word that we're wanting to use here is discernment. And we all have discernment. And some of you have a little bit better discernment than others. But I believe when you receive the Spirit of God, you have an upgrade on your discernment level. That he is speaking through your discernment to say, this is not the way you should go. Go this way instead. I have had multiple times where I, you know, what didn't look very uh, unhealthy or harmful to me but I just felt a check in my spirit. I'm like, I'm not supposed to do that. 
I'm not, I'm not supposed to hang out there. I'm not supposed to go with, with them in this situation. I remember vividly as a freshman in college where God used my mom in this way that I was supposed to go hang out in Mexico on a weekend, a party weekend. I wasn't really living the way I should be living for God. And I was going to go down on spring break and do some things I probably shouldn't have. And my mom called me and she said, I was praying for you, son. My mom never does this. But she said, I, I want to tell you, I don't feel good about this, and I, and I feel like you're going to put yourself in danger if you go. So <laughs> when your mama calls you and says that, you're like, mm, okay, I'm listening, because my mom never did that. Now, I, I was a follower of Jesus, and so I looked at that as a, as a God wing, as an alarm system to say, don't go there, and I didn't go there. And, I, and I'm glad, you know, maybe I wouldn't have made it. Maybe I wouldn't be here today if I had not listened to that warning buzzer that went off. So, so listen, to that. number two is raise up some walls. So when you're praying this, God's going to tell you there's some things in your life to fortify so that the evil one just doesn't come in and, and just cause havoc. You got to raise up some walls. In ancient cities, in ancient villages, they would put walls up as protection mechanisms because you never knew when an invading army would just be passing by and they would look over and see these houses and say, hey, let's just go plunder that village. I'm sure they have some wealth and some women and we can just have our way and just do what we want. And so these ancient cities would put up these walls and put watchmen on the walls in case an enemy intruder would try to come against them. They had a way to fight against them without the enemy coming in and plundering the city. See, when you start praying, saying, God, help me not go down the wrong road, what he will do is he will tell you there's some walls that need to be raised up and some gates that need to be closed. I'm speaking to somebody's heart this morning. There's some walls that need to be raised up and some gates that need to be closed. As a new follower of Jesus, I automatically heard this, especially in the form of some friendships that I had led into my life that I noticed when I hang out with these friends, I did these things and I connected the dots. And one of the immediate things I felt like the Lord was telling me is like, you, you have to fortify the place that I'm calling you to. And that is possibly going to mean you, you can't spend time with these guys that every time you do, you, you seem to go down the wrong road. So I, I had to raise up some walls in my friendships there were certain places I had to avoid and, and not go to. There, there were some, some uh, access on the internet that, that I had to block myself from going to. And, and it was all so that I could raise up some walls and close some gates so the enemy wouldn't be able to come in and plunder my life. Am I speaking to somebody's heart this morning? You gotta raise up some walls. You gotta close some gates. And here's the third thing is we gotta live being led by the Spirit. So one of the ways that God helps us not be led into temptation is that we're more intentional to live being led by the Spirit. Because here's what you need to know about physics. <laughs> you can't move in opposite directions at the same time. And so as you are following the Spirit of God, you're not gonna be also able to follow the sinful cravings of your own nature. You can't do it, it's impossible. Galatians chapter 5, 16 and 70. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil. 
which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants, and the Spirit gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires, these two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you are not free to carry out your good intentions. There is a war going on in your life, and when you are intentionally letting the Spirit of God lead your life, the war is a lot more in the favor of the Spirit of God, because you can't be giving into the cravings of your sinful nature at the same time as you're being led by the Spirit of God. And let me tell you, God has some assignments for you. He has some assignments for you. And some of you keep giving over to temptation because you are living boring Christianity. Where you get up, go to church on Sunday, but that pretty much you read your Bible occasionally, you pray over your meals. That's boring. That's not fun. That's not exciting. And of course, you know, when when the evil one comes in your life and presents these things, you're going to be like, oh, that looks pretty enticing. I'm telling you, when you wake up and say, God, let your kingdom come through me today. Let your will be done through me today. And you leave your house and you hear that Mission Impossible music blaring in the background of your life going, dun, 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 dun. You go to the gas station, dun, 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 dun. Is it him, God? Is it her? Am I supposed to give him a car? Am I supposed to help her? Like, God, you show me. And I'm telling you, Every day, God wants us walking in God's stories, and I believe we would have a lot more God stories if we lived more intentionally, saying, God, lead me by your Holy Spirit. And the more that you are led by your Holy, or the Holy Spirit, the less you will be led by your sinful nature. Doesn't that just make sense? So if you want to just help this, or pray this prayer and let God help you, then you're going to get to a place. I, I will tell you that we just ended 21 days of prayer. It's amazing. These 21 days of prayer that we were praying. We just ended it yesterday. It was amazing. And I, and I believe that God had us move into a season of this prayer challenge because he wanted to restart our hearts, not personally, not just personally, but as a community, as a family. And I believe he did that. But I will tell you one of the side benefits of waking up at 6 a.m., and just really giving your all to God in the morning is it, is it focuses you first thing in the morning, okay? But then, like, it takes all your energy, right? So even, even when, you, you know, maybe there, there would be this inkling of a, of a temptation, you, you don't even have the energy to be able to give that because God already got the first fruit of your energy. You woke up early, so by 6 p.m., I'm ready for bed. I don't, I don't wake up like that all the time, but you know, through prayer, through the 21-day prayer challenge, I was waking up early, and that was a game changer as far as eliminating much of the temptations that are out there. So I, I don't know what the Holy Spirit is even speaking to you right now, but if you're praying saying, God, help me not to go down that wrong road, I fully believe that one of these things is going to be happening. He's going to be speaking to you about this. So because of time, i got to jump down to the second part of this, and that is deliver us from evil or deliver us from the evil one, depending on how you want to translate that. But we need to pray for deliverance. And, and what do you need to be delivered from? Well, the word deliver is actually a... Greek word that has, I believe, some power behind it. It it means to break our chains, to loose our bands, to snatch away, to pluck us from. So there is the possibility as we go down wrong roads in our life that the evil one is able to actually get his hands on us and hold us in a position where we feel stuck. Does anyone feel stuck this morning in your circumstances or your situation in life? Where, Where it's almost as if there is this hold that 
that is against your life. And so Jesus is saying, hey, if you want to pray powerful and effective prayers, you need to circle this and you need to pray against whatever the the evil one has against your life to loosen and to set you free of whatever hold that he may have come in and, and put against your life or your family's life. In Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12, it says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. This is a, a fancy way of saying it's not against people. See, some of you were waging war on people this week, and I'm telling you, it wasn't necessarily against people. That there were principalities, it goes on to say. There were rulers against the powers, against the world forces of the darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places that was perpetuating some division that you have with other people. The, 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 the problem wasn't necessarily with the person, but it was in the principalities that were coming against you and them because he loves, the evil one loves division. Can I say that one more time? He loves division. It's one of his three plays on his short little playbook that, that I like to say. It's division, distraction, and discouragement. He's really good. His playbook isn't thick, but he runs them really, really good. And I'm convinced the longer that I lead the church that this idea of spiritual warfare isn't talked about enough. That you have an enemy against your life. You have a foe. You have an opposer. And as you're making strides to better your life, get closer with God, you're going to have this opposition come against you. He's going to come against you because he does not want to see you excel. He does not want to see you move your life towards the the purposes and the promises that God has for your life. Now, I will say that not all struggles are from the evil one. (laughs) Let's be honest. Some of the struggles are from our own stupidity. Can I say that? Can I just be honest with you? Some of it, like, it has nothing to do with spiritual forces. It's just your own dumbness. Like, I should not have made that decision, and now I'm reaping the consequences of that. However, some of the stuff that does mess with their lives is unexplainable. It's supernatural. It doesn't make sense. You get in a, uh, maybe a, a fight with your spouse on the way to church. I don't know why, but that seems to happen a lot. Is that a coincidence? Uh, maybe something happens, and, and you're, you're pulled into this temptation out of nowhere, and it just kind of just, it's almost like it's been set up. You're just like, okay, this is, this is weird. Uh, even for me, this, is, this happened a month ago, and this is why I, I really appreciate you praying for your pastor and your leaders at, at this church. It was super weird. On Saturday nights, it was only on Saturday nights, about two in the morning, I would just wake up, and, and this, this weird like noise would happen in the house or whatever, and I was like, that's so weird. But I, I was feeling it was spiritual because then I, I had a hard time getting back to sleep, and I'm like, man, he's trying to get me tired before the day even starts because we're going to be outside, and the sun is going to be out, and, and I'm already going to get exhausted. He's trying to exhaust me before I'm even able to stand up there and speak the word of God. So I would pray through it. I know I had some other people that were close to me started praying for me, and I, I've got a good report for you. I've been sleeping really good on Saturday night, so I appreciate your prayers. But that was supernatural. That didn't make any sense. There, there was a time... Uh, a couple years ago, my wife, who is very vocal and, and very transparent about having struggled with anxiety, that, that she was getting hit really hard this one particular afternoon, and I could just feel it on her, and she was just really in a, in a very dark place, and, and she just said, I just don't know, I, this, I just can't seem to shake it, and I, and I just felt like 
that was supernatural. It was like a spiritual thing where it just grabbed her and gripped her and was holding her. And I said, well, let me pray. And so I laid hands on my wife right there in that moment. And we started praying and she started falling over. I had to catch her. She started fainting. But that wasn't the first time I prayed for somebody and that that's happened. And the first time it happened, I was praying for somebody. They fell over. I was like, what just happened? I don't even believe in this. Why? I just, I can't, how do you can you explain this? Well, I, I really do. As, as I've encountered this multiple times now, I've, I've really come to understand that sometimes the evil one gets in there and has such a strong hold on your life. When somebody prays for you, there's a violent release of freedom where God just comes in and just pulls his grip off of your life. And that's where I've seen some people really just get like thrown over. It just It seems as though they just, they just fall over because they're experiencing a release of the hold that was against their life. And I believe that's what happened for my wife. And honestly, after I prayed that prayer and after she almost fell over, she, she popped back up. She's like, wow, I feel completely different, like a light switch. It went from dark to light. This is what happens when, when something is spiritual in nature, when the, the enemy is there, the evil one is there, and he's, and he's trying to do something within the struggle. That's how you know that it's a principality that is perpetuating the situation. I, I believe, I, I even have a word for somebody here that you've been having nightmares. I wrote this down. I felt like God had a word within this message for you. If, if you've been having nightmares, there's something just perpetuated in these principalities. And I got to watch my word because my wife reminded me, remember this is a family service when you talk about spiritual warfare. So be careful how you say this. So I, I'm filtering words in my head right now, all right? And I had all kinds of cool stories I was going to walk you through. She's like, you can't tell that. There's four-year-olds there. I'm like, okay, all right. So, so as, as I'm thinking this through, it's like, there are, there are these forces that are perpetuating these nightmares. And, and God has given you this message to really help you have a breakthrough over this hold that the enemy seems to be having on your sleep. So this is what's so, so crazy about the coronavirus season is, is let me tell you about the evil one. He's an opportunist. So he will take the circumstances of your life and in an opportune time, he'll come against you. And what he's done in this season, there's a lot of fear and isolation going on in this whole shelter-in-place directive. There's a, there are people, and you guys, you're not the people, but there are people that have literally not left their house since March. They haven't left. They're, they're in their house, totally freaked out because they have CNN or Fox News or whatever on all the time. They're freaked out. They're living in fear. And what happens is the evil one creeps into that space of fear and, and people get overwhelmed in it. We've got to remember, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and sound mind. He wants you to walk in that power. He wants you to walk in that love. He doesn't want you to live in that fear. And so the fact that you are so fearful means that there's probably a stronghold that's moved in and he's used this pandemic as a covering to move in in that area of your life. But the other one that I think is a little bit more concerning to me as a pastor is this isolation. Because let me tell you about the evil one. He does his best work when we're isolated from one another. My father-in-law who pastors a mega church in Bakersfield, he told me this. He said, I, I was listening to a, 
a friend of mine tell me his vision that he had, and he goes, I, I know there's something credible to this because I'm fielding emails and phone calls from people, but he said in this vision that he had, he said there has been a new release of principalities against the lives of believers in the pandemic. And, and here's what believers are hearing in their minds at, at, a, at a level, at a volume like never before, and it is you are unworthy, you're inadequate, and no one cares about you. Some of you, when I just said that, that just like, whoa. They're hearing these voices on repeat that you're unworthy, you're inadequate, no one cares about you. And what's happened is that in this isolation, people really are feeling that because they are not gathering, they're not being together. And so in that place of isolation, the enemy moves in and creates these these reinforced areas of holds in our life. We call them strongholds. And believers can have strongholds against their life by the evil one. And it, it doesn't take much for something to move in there. See, as we're praying for breakthrough of the promises of God for our life, we need to know this. Before we experience a breakthrough of the promises of God for our lives, we have to experience a breakthrough of the strongholds against our lives. You, you can't move forward into the promises of God until you get released of the forces and principalities that have a hold of your life right now. Got to deal with that before you receive the other. So some of you are like, why isn't my breakthrough coming? Because you need to first have a breakthrough of this hold that the enemy has against your life. And the good news is God has provided for you to walk in freedom and not walk in strongholds anymore because you are fighting not for your victory. You're fighting from your victory because of everything that Christ has already won on your behalf. Come on, somebody. That's the power of Jesus being in our souls. Second Corinthians 10.4, it says, the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. We have weapons that God has entrusted with us to fight against these strongholds that are coming against us. And when we start praying, deliver us from the evil one, what we have, what we have is an opportunity to, to, to grab the weapons that God has, has given us. Now, this isn't an exhaustive list, but this is Pastor Jim's like top three. Let me tell you the weapons that God continues to use in my life, the divine power to demolish the strongholds for me personally. Write this down. Number one, the word of God. I've got to talk fast because we've got to get you guys home and out of the sun. The Word of God, the Bible, it is God's source for truth. And one of the biggest ways that the enemy comes in our life and creates these holds in our life is he gets us to live in deception. He gets us to live in this place where we start believing lies. And the Word of God comes in and exposes the lie by showing us the truth. So the more that we're studying the Word of God, the more that we're learning the Word of God, the more we have something to compare the narrative that is being told to us and say that's not really true because God's Word says this. When Jesus himself was being taken out into the wilderness and the evil one was coming against him, guess how Jesus defeated the evil one? The Word of God. God's truth. And so this is where Bible memorization comes in really handy. So that's why I'm not against memorizing anything in the Bible, but one of the verses that I memorized and it changed my life with 1 John 4, 4. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. Now I had some struggle. I had some strongholds in my life. And what happened was in the process of going through the stronghold that I quoted this scripture over and over again whenever I felt the enemy was trying to suck me in to go down the wrong road. I said, no, no, no. 
Greater is he who is in me than he that is in the world. Even though you're strong, God is stronger. So therefore, I don't have to listen to you, liar. And it changed me. I stopped doing things that before just seemed like I couldn't control myself. So the word of God is so powerful. And that's why we, we say do devotions every day. We have a devotional reading card where you can read an Old Testament, a New Testament. And there may be days that you read Old Testament like, oh, I don't get all that. So-and-so begot so-and-so. But then there, there's always some. When you open the word of God, God always has something to speak into your soul. So, so good. Number two is having battle buddies. Having battle buddies. Hebrews 3, 13, encourage each other every day while you have opportunity. If you do this, none of you will be deceived by sin and become stubborn. You want to stop being deceived by sin? Have some other people that have access to your life that can encourage you. And we all need a battle buddy. We all need a few battle buddies. And isn't it interesting in the Lord's Prayer, he says, Our Father, he says, give us this day our daily bread, deliver us from it. Do you see the plural thing here going on? That God wants us together because we are better together and it's harder for the enemy to get a hold of us if we actually have battle buddies around us protecting us and exposing the enemy. I was in a funk in 2016. I had this unrest in my life. I just felt like God was was processing something in me about leading the Vegas church. I didn't know. I, I, I just was, I was kind of, I felt broken. It's the best way I can describe it. I felt broken and, and I just like, God, I just, I don't know what to do. And I felt the Holy Spirit say, call one of your battle buddies, call Darren Laws. And so I called Darren Laws and I, and I said, Hey, he's a pastor up North. I said, Hey, I, I need somebody to encourage me, man. I'm going through this brokenness, this funk, and I, I just don't know what to think of it. You know, he encouraged me and got me out of that space that I was in. One phone call, one prayer, and it was over. See, here's the truth. Some of you, these life groups that we're launching this week, it's essential business for you. You have got to find some battle buddies for your life. And these life groups give you an opportunity to find these battle buddies. So you go, you sign up afterwards. Heidi, our new life groups director, she's going to be back there. And she's got some iPads to get you connected with the life group that, that best uh, fits your schedule. Maybe the context of the things that you're going on in your life. And, I, and I've got to land with this last point, And that is call in air support. Now, this may seem bizarre. Band, come on up. Uh, this may seem bizarre to some of you. Because it's going to seem like, you know, some kind of a sci-fi movie or whatever. But when I say call on air support, I'm talking about angels. Now, I know some of you may have a hard time processing that, that there are real beings called angels that are messengers sent from God. But not only do I have 100 stories for you, I have the Bible to support this. This is biblical to believe in angels and to believe that when you go through difficult spaces where the, the enemy seems to be moving in to, to put holds on your life, that angels actually act in your favor to release the hold that the enemy has put on your life. Psalm 91 is a psalm that I've been going to very often and praying over people during the pandemic. And, and in there, he says, he gives angels charge over you. Do you really believe that? That when you call on angels, angels are actually coming to help you bring deliverance for you, for your family, for, for maybe other areas of your life. In 2 Kings 6, I don't have time to tell you the story, but Elisha the prophet was being surrounded by this enemy army. 
and they were gonna take him out. And the servant of Elisha wakes up before Elisha and goes outside and sees the enemy totally surrounded them. He knows that they were gonna be dead. And then Elisha comes out and sees the servant freaking out, yelling, screaming, oh my, we're dead, we're dead. And Elisha says, Lord, give him eyes to see what I see. In Jesus' name, I don't wanna say in Jesus' name, but he said, in the Lord's name. And, and then in that moment, the servant's eyes popped open and he saw the spiritual realm around him. And even though the enemy was completely encamped around him, God had sent angels to encamp around his enemy. And then all of a sudden the fear left. See, I want you to know when the enemy is coming against your life, God has a holy host of heaven that wants to come and fight for you, wants to fight against these principalities that are trying to destroy you and trying to sabotage you. And I have story after story that I could give you on personal encounters that I've had where, where God seemed to supernaturally move with angels getting involved as messenger spirits. One case in point, I thought my wife was in trouble as I was praying for her one morning. She was dropping the kids off for school. And as she was dropping the kids off to school, I felt this overwhelming sensation. Pray for Tara. So I prayed. I said, God, right now, I don't know where she's at, where she's driving, but God, right now, send her angels right now to protect her shield from any dangerous situation that she may be encountering in Jesus name. Amen. And then I called her and I said, Hey, I, I just, I wanted to check on you. Are you okay? She goes, yeah. I go, well, I just felt this, this really strong urge to pray for you right now. And I just prayed angels be with you. She goes, the weirdest thing just happened. If, if uh, I were to, to you know, play this back for you, she goes, I was at an intersection. The light was red and the light turned green, but I, I didn't see it turn green because all of a sudden, like, my iPod did something weird, and I was playing music, and then I, I went to it, and, and I was trying to figure out what was going on with the iPod, and I looked up, and I realized that the light had been green for a few seconds, and then I went to go in the intersection, and a city bus comes from the other side, running a red light, and comes flying through the intersection. She said, I would have been dead. Now, I firmly believe that an angel did something to that iPod to make her get distracted for just a few seconds to save her life. I believe in angels, and I believe that as I call on angels to get involved and active in not only my life, but the life of my family, the life of even my extended family, even of my church family, I believe that angels are moving on our behalf, and nothing attracts angels, I believe, more to our life than our worship. I believe worship it's the most attractional thing. I believe it gets the attention of angels all over this world when we begin worshiping God. That's why some of you put on worship music, man. It's just like, ah, oh, it just attracts the angels of heaven because they want to join in with the chorus to say, God is great. God is awesome. God is more powerful than anything that is moving against your life. They want to join in that chorus with you. I've seen so many people as they begin worshiping God that all of the strongholds just completely are broken and they walk in this peace that they weren't walking in before. So some worship is a weapon that really gets God and, and all of heaven involved. And we were doing a Big Daddy Weave concert and this was back in November and the worship started going and I was helping do the concert. I was a little distracted with all the organization of it. But after the concert, I was like, oh, that was so good, that was so good. And I had multiple people tell me this. I wouldn't believe it probably if just one person told me this. 
If one person told me they saw an angel, I might think they went outside and got some secondhand marijuana smoke and, and it wasn't really angels, they were just tripping out. But, but I had multiple people tell me, when we were worshiping, I looked up and I thought I saw like some angel being things. Multiple people. And, and I've heard stories like this for the 30 years that I've been following Jesus. I know that there's some valid truth to this. Why wouldn't you call in air support to help you and help your family and help your life? Would you stand with me? We're going to worship. We're, we're like in OT right now. And uh, I just want to pray. Fathers, we just worship with the song, God. I pray deliverance. I pray strongholds are broken and freedom is found. God, you would help us, Lord. Remind our souls of the truth of your word. Lord, show us people that you've put on our life on purpose to be our battle buddy. God, put names so we can reach out to them after church even, or a life group that we're supposed to go to. God, as we worship, may we be reminded that all of heaven is moving on our behalf. In Jesus' name, let's worship. Thank you for tuning in today to another great message from Atmosphere Church. If this message has spoken to your heart, would you take a moment and share it with your friends? You can connect with us on Spotify, iTunes Podcast, YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram. Simply do a search for Atmosphere Church through these various platforms, and then click the follow or subscribe buttons. It's another great way for us to be able to stay connected with you. If you live in the Southern California area, we would love to invite you to be a part of our family. For more information about our church, go to our official website at atmosphere.church. Finally, if this service and our other resources bless you, would you consider giving back to Atmosphere Church to support not just these things, but to also support the creation of even more resources for you? To make a donation, simply go to our website and click the link that says Give. Your gift of any amount is greatly appreciated. Until next time. We pray you will keep the faith, spread the hope, and live the love.